Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. I am your host, Daniel Ocho. In this episode, I'm going to be breaking down the second to last division we'll be talking about here before the season gets started. The NFC East, one of the funner divisions to talk about, in my opinion, because it's always chaos in the NFC East. Uh, they have not had a back-to-back divisional champion in the NFC East since 2004, so we could be looking at further upheaval in this division this year. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump into our NFC East divisional preview. All right, so let's start our preview of the NFC East with none other than last year's NFC East champions, the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys this year have lost Amari Cooper. They've lost Lyle Collins. They lost Randy Gregory on some weird contract terminology thing. And the offensive line isn't what it used to be. This is a very different Cowboys team than what we're used to. We know that the Cowboys in their current form over the last several years sort of really turned a corner once they traded for Amari Cooper and sort of formed that connection between Cooper and Dak Prescott. We saw Dak Prescott elevate his play to that of sort of a pseudo superstar quarterback once Amari Cooper kind of came to town. So now we're seeing Dak for the first time without Cooper in a number of years, and we're going to see whether Dak can sustain the level of play that he's put together over the last several years. Last year, we obviously saw him one year removed from that devastating leg injury, uh, and we saw that recovery go relatively well over the first five or six weeks. I know myself and many others were impressed by Dak, sort of how fast he returned to a baseline of excellent stellar quarterback play immediately after snapping his leg in half two years ago now. But ultimately, after he sustained sort of a lower calf injury, I think, uh, in week six or seven, Dak really struggled for the rest of the year to sustain that high level of quarterback play. And ultimately, the Cowboys flame out in the playoffs, losing to the 49ers in sort of heartbreaking fashion. And Dak just didn't look like himself. He didn't look like the guy who was going to be making $40 million this year. He didn't look like a quarterback who could carry an offensive load. Now, how much of that is just who Dak Prescott is as a quarterback, as opposed to just being one year removed from that devastating leg injury? We will find that out this year because I think this year, it really all comes down to Dak for the Cowboys. They've lost Amari Cooper. They lost some of their defensive pieces. This is a defense that was unbelievable. They were plus 14 in turnover differential. They were constantly turning turnovers into points on offense, which we talk about this a lot, is not one of those stats that typically translates from year to year. So that's something to keep in mind when looking at this Cowboys team coming into this year. They are projected for 10 and a half wins. And in looking at the Cowboys and what they did in the offseason, sort of losing Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick, which just looks horrible now in retrospect, because you saw this wide receiver market sort of explode where guys like Christian Kirk were getting 20 something million dollars a year. Uh, and the Cowboys balked at paying Amari Cooper only $20 million a year. That contract looks a heck of a lot better uh, seeing what some of these other middle tier wide receivers got uh, since then. But now looking at this team in the wake of that departure, in the wake of some of their other defensive personnel departures, facing the fact that guys like Tyron Smith on the offensive line just can't seem to stay healthy for this team. And even Ezekiel Elliott, their star running back who seemed like he was going to have a long career of sustained dominance when he first came in the league and burst onto the scene as a rookie, has really sort of regressed as a player to the point where there are lots of 
Tony Pollard truthers out there looking at what Tony Pollard was doing as a scat back last year and saying, why is this guy not getting the ball more? Ultimately, as I mentioned before, this season is going to come down to whether Dak Prescott can carry the Cowboys offense. I don't think the level of sustained turnover prone defense that the Cowboys were playing last year is sustainable from year to year. But that may not necessarily matter, right? Because if the Cowboys can sustain a high level of offensive play, I mean, they still have guys like Dalton Schultz, guys like CeeDee Lamb, who's projected to be this next superstar wide receiver. Um, They bring in James Washington, who's already hurt, already going to miss some time, but they still have guys there. So if Dak is this superstar quarterback that he's sort of been made out to be by the media, by the fact that he's being paid $40 million, then he should be able to, at the very least, put together a top 12 to 13 offense with this Cowboys offensive unit. If he does not do that, then we could very well be looking at Mike McCarthy losing his job. We could be looking at serious personnel changes for the Cowboys going into next offseason. There was already lots of rumors about Jerry Jones circling Sean Payton for years, wanting to have Sean Payton come in, be the head coach of the Cowboys. It seems like a natural partnership, especially given the fact I think that the the trust with Mike McCarthy within that building is not what it should be, especially for a team that made the playoffs and sort of overachieved last year. I think that Dan Quinn uh, and the offensive coordinator as well are both guys who Jerry Jones would like to maybe give a shot at head coach next year if Mike McCarthy flames out. So there's no way I can look at this Cowboys team this year with all the bad vibes regarding coaching, all the, the offseason personnel moves that seem sort of poorly thought out now uh, with the benefit of hindsight and seriously say that they got better in any way. I'd love to hear an argument for how this Dallas Cowboys team got better than last year. And, and what is the case for them improving upon their record? Because I don't see it because on top of all of the issues we've sort of hashed out here, the Cowboys also face the fact that every other team in their division got better. The Eagles got better. The Giants got better. Washington got better. I think that people may not believe it, but Carson Wentz is not nearly as bad as people think. And he may be a top six or seven quarterback in the NFC, just just purely on talent alone. So if you're the Cowboys and, and you've struggled with personnel, you have sort of maybe a lame duck head coach going into this year, I would be a little bit concerned about repeating as NFC East champions. I mentioned before that the NFC East has not had a repeat champion since 2004. And in looking at this 10 and a half number, looking at the Cowboys who are currently the projected favorite to win the NFC East at plus 115, I just don't see the value there. I think this Cowboys team goes under. I think that the personnel changes in the offseason has left this roster sort of a relic of what it once was. It's not nearly as high-end talent-wise as, as it was a few years ago. We were looking at Amari Cooper. We were looking at CeeDee Lamb on a rookie deal. Dalton Schultz really filled out that receiving room. And now CeeDee Lamb has to slot into that number one. The Eagles are nipping at the heels of the Cowboys within the division. I just don't see a world in which not only did the Cowboys go over their division total, but in which they win this division. Because I think you're going to have to win 11 games to win this this NFC East. So I'm going under on the Cowboys at 10 and a half, and I'm staying away from them to win the NFC East. My prop previews for the Dallas Cowboys this year. Uh, I just have a few picks here. Number one is Dalton Schultz over 69 and a half receptions. Last year, he had 78. He had somewhere in the 60s the year before. There's a target vacuum here. I talked about Amari Cooper moving on to the Browns being traded. Uh, 
Gallup is coming back from an ACL tear late in the season. We don't know when we're going to see him. Nate Washington is already injured, so he's already going to be missing some time. Dalton Schultz is going to see a lot of targets. He's going to see more than he saw last year. He's going to see more than he saw the year before. He's established a connection with Dak Prescott that I think is going to carry over and make it so that he's impossible to deny as one of the better tight ends in the NFL. And he's going to reveal himself to be that uh, by way of catching a shit ton of balls, catching a lot of touchdowns. I am all over Dalton Schultz over 69 and a half receptions this year. I should talk before we move on to my next team about the odds to win the NFC East right now. As of today, the Cowboys are the favorite to win the NFC East at plus 115. The Philadelphia Eagles are the second favorite at plus 185. The Washington Commanders are plus 475. And the New York Giants bring up the rear at plus 800. Uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more in depth about some of these picks later on when we do our team-by-team breakdowns. But just big picture, I don't think the value is there in picking the Cowboys. Because as I said before in in our sort of breakdown of the entire roster, plus 115, the the odds just aren't good enough to for me to bet on a lame duck head coach and an offense that lost a lot of their personnel in the offseason. Moving on, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles made one of the bigger blockbuster moves this offseason in bringing in A.J. Brown, a draft day trade, a superstar wide receiver from the Titans, a physical specimen, uh, a franchise-changing player when it comes to the playoffs. This is a guy who could break off a play at any time. Um, He has been a stud since stepping into the league with the Titans. That begs the question, why did the Titans move on? I I think that the Titans, and, and I've talked about this just in terms of that team, took a hard look in the mirror this offseason and realized that maybe A.J. Brown didn't fit their timeline. And if they were going to extend a player and and pay A.J. Brown the money that receivers demand in this marketplace, maybe that just didn't fit into what this team viewed itself as in in terms of roster building, in terms of how they could best build a team that will compete for a Super Bowl in, in this environment. So they move on from A.J. Brown. They send him over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts comes back for his second season as a starting quarterback. I think the interesting thing about the Eagles is that they low-key have put together one of the better rosters in the entire NFL. This team was sort of a write-off for me early in the season when I was watching them. It seemed to me last year like they really wanted to throw the ball. Uh, that, That new Nick Sirianni coaching staff came in with the idea, very analytics-oriented, that they wanted to throw the ball on early downs. They really wanted to just let Jalen Hurts let loose. And they quickly realized that that really wasn't translating to points, really wasn't translating to winning football. What I appreciate about this Nick Sirianni coaching staff is that they were smart enough to pivot once they realized that this passing-led, analytics-driven offense wasn't working for them. Because for all that the football nerds sort of opine that running on early downs is idiocy and and how much value or estimated value there is in passing the ball more and more and more and more. Ultimately, running the football is what good playoff teams do, what winning football teams do. And the Eagles quickly pivoted to having the best rushing offense in the NFL. They were mauling guys up front. This is a team that seems to have an organizational operative to put together some, some dogs up front on the defensive and offensive line. Uh, th- their draft, they bring in defensive line talent, the defensive lineman from Georgia to immediately bring energy to that defensive line up front. Their offensive line was already one of the better lines in the NFL. 
Miles Sanders missed a lot of time last year. They have sort of a packed rushing room right now, I think, with Kenneth Gainwell, who has shown some flashes as a really unique uh, pass catching back out of the backfield. But Sanders, I think, is actually one of the more undervalued players in the NFL coming into the season because he has shown flashes as a pure runner where I don't think any other running back on this roster has really established themselves as a guy who should supplant him as the A1 running back for this team. If Miles Sanders can slot in and prove to be something of a bell cow within this offense, I think that we could see the Eagles very easily find themselves at the top of the league in most rushing categories. The truth of the matter is that Jalen Hurts, as a quarterback, his legs really makes it difficult to defend this Eagles team because he's such a great athlete that he essentially opens up both the rushing game uh, with his legs and also the passing game because you have to account for him by QB spy, whatever it is. We now see so many more of these rushing quarterbacks in the NFL sort of coming on very quickly as a young player. A lot of times these guys get figured out. I think anyone who watched Jalen Hurts in any extensive period last year would acknowledge that he was limited as a player. If the Eagles want to win this division this year, they need him to take a leap as a player. Um, and, and I don't think they get there if he's not progressing as a passer specifically. They've done everything they can surrounding him by Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. They have one of the better skill position groups in the NFC, at least in my opinion. And I think that the Eagles are well-positioned to, at the very least, figure out whether Jalen Hurts is the guy. I think to date, he's shown that he isn't really that guy. He's sort of a middle-tier quarterback who'll kick around the league for a long time. I don't know that you can win a Super Bowl with him, but with a roster as stacked as this Eagles team is, I think we're going to find out what the limits of a mediocre quarterback are within this league. Whether you can build a roster with a quarterback who's not making $40 million, a quarterback who's not drafted in the top 10, uh, and, and win a Super Bowl. Because I, I truly think Jalen Hurts is sort of a test case for roster building within the NFL this year. And I'm relatively high on this Eagles team. The reason for that is really just the advanced analytics on this team, right? Football Outsiders projects the Eagles as the third most likely team to make the playoffs, as the fifth most likely team to make the Super Bowl. Whereas most betting odds have them as like the 10th most likely team to make the playoffs at plus 2,500 to win the Super Bowl. So the markets really aren't accounting for what the analytics are saying for this team. I don't necessarily believe that football outsiders statistics are gospel, but they are generally pretty good at projecting uh, a confluence of factors just in terms of luck, in terms of advanced analytics, how a team's year-to-year process will will work, uh, especially with a returning quarterback and a returning head coach. For all the reasons I've just mentioned, I don't see a world in which the Eagles don't go over their projected win total of nine and a half. I see this as a 10 to 11 win team. I'm going to be hammering the Eagles to win the NFC East at plus 185. Uh, That's a bet that I think has a lot of value there because it's not quite big enough odds where you'd be really second guessing yourself. But I think there's still value there because if you think the Eagles are going to go over it's worth a shot at just taking plus 185. At this point, I think the Eagles over is sort of juiced on a lot of books. So you're getting minus 130, minus 150 on the Eagles to, to win over nine and a half games. But I think sometimes I have to believe a lot of the hype around a team, right? Sometimes my eyes may deceive me when betting on, on football teams. And I think that the Eagles with Jalen Hurts are one of those situations. I watched so much Jalen Hurts last year, and I thought the entire time there's no way that this team could make the playoffs with a guy like Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. He's too limited. 
he's too far away from what I think a prototypical winning quarterback is in terms of play style. But ultimately, he got it done last year. This is a guy who was converting drives into touchdowns. He had a lot of garbage time yards, a lot of garbage time passing stats, but he got the job done. He got them to the playoffs. He had them playing the Tampa Bay Bucks relatively tough for a short period of time. Ultimately, he couldn't really pass on that team. But still, if Hurts progresses a little bit, I, I don't see a world in which the Eagles are not going over their projected nine and a half win total. And you need to sprinkle a little on the Eagles to win the NFC East if you're going to be betting on the over there. In terms of prop bets for the Eagles, the one prop that really jumps out to me is A.J. Brown under receiving yards. I think it's at uh, 1,025 right now. I love A.J. Brown as a talent, but primarily as a ceiling raiser for your team because I, I don't see him as a major reliable counting stats guy. This is a guy who struggled with injury over the last couple of years. I don't see him getting the volume, most importantly, to reach that, that total of 1,025. This Eagles offense is not going to be near the top of the league in passing volume. I see them, in terms of pace of play, a rushing offense like this, uh, I see them being much closer to the bottom half, maybe the bottom 10 teams in the league in terms of plays called per game. And if you're getting those low volume number of plays called per game on top of a low volume of passing plays called per game, I just don't see a world in which the A.J. Brown volume will be there to sustain a yardage total over his projected total. I think people often get caught up in the hype of A.J. Brown because he makes these flashy, really electric plays in the field, but the player himself, I don't see him having the consistency this year to go over on his projected yardage total. Another quick prop bet I'll talk about with the Eagles is Jalen Hurts over eight and a half rushing touchdowns. I think the stats on Jalen Hurts or the, the VIG on that bet is juiced under right now. So it's minus 150 uh, on under eight and a half rushing touchdowns. But if Jalen Hurts plays 16 games, 17 games, I don't see a world in which he does not go over that total. He had 10 last year. He had three the year before uh, just in two and a half games or something as a starting quarterback. So if Jalen Hurts is on the field, he's going to run in a bunch of touchdowns. I know that this stat can be a little fluky from year to year. We've seen that with guys like Josh Allen, guys like Lamar Jackson having zero last year. But I believe in the Eagles this year. I believe in Jalen Hurts, and I believe he's going to go over eight and a half rushing touchdowns. Let's move on now to the Washington football team. The Washington football team, or the Washington commanders this year. Oh, I forgot. They are projected seven and a half wins this year. Uh, they are plus 575, I think, or plus 375 maybe to win. Oh, no, 475. Sorry, this number's jumped around a lot to win the division. Uh, people don't believe in them. People don't believe in Carson Wentz. They're, they're new quarterback who they bring in to replace uh, Taylor Heineke. And I am a guy who has been burned by Carson Wentz in the past. I believe so much in him with that Eagles team, his last year in Philadelphia. I thought that he was sort of getting railroaded, sort of unfairly blamed for what was going on with that franchise that was sort of falling apart in real time. But ultimately, I think that Carson Wentz is sort of, he is who we think he is. Wentz over his last year with the Eagles revealed a propensity to have a complete, complete inability to check down his tendency to try to extend plays just too long is constant. He's constantly taking bad sacks, throwing backbreaking turnovers. Even last year with the Colts, he threw two or three of the worst turnovers I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, one of them against the Titans, I think. Just pathetic plays where you look at this guy and you're like, how is he an NFL quarterback? How is, was he a top overall pick? 
And then you look at the overall statistics for this guy. And last year, Carson Wentz threw, I think, 27 touchdowns and six interceptions. That's not half bad. I know a lot of teams in the NFL who would kill for those stats. What's not really pictured within those stats is that the Colts offensive scheming completely went away from Carson Wentz halfway through the year. Uh, the Colts coaching staff lost all ability to rely on him. They went away from him so much. If you look at a guy like Michael Pittman last year, who was really starting to, to break out early season, uh, you see in his own stats, he saw a sharp drop off right around the same time. The coaching staff started really leaning on Jonathan Taylor and transitioning to a world in which they didn't have to be scared of Carson Wentz doing something stupid. Ultimately, for anyone who followed the Colts last year, you saw them choke away a must-win game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the last week of the season, resulting in them being left out of the playoffs. Everyone is going to remember that game, uh, sort of the, the final image of Carson Wentz in a Colts jersey, in part because the head coach and, more importantly, the, the owner shanked him on the way out the door while dumping him on the, the Washington Commanders. Uh, there was no love lost there. If anything, that concerns me more than any of the play I saw from Carson Wentz last year. I think he has been sort of unfairly maligned for the Colts choke job last year. Uh, his stats were overall okay. People talk about that Jaguars loss, but not about the fact that the, the Colts kind of went in and, and Wentz led them in to Buffalo to kick the shit out of the Buffalo Bills, who probably should have won the Super Bowl last year or at least been there. Ultimately, what it all comes down to for the Washington Commanders is whether Wentz can be the guy that we thought he was a few years ago. Ron Rivera is a franchise builder. He's trying to turn this team around amid all the drama that's sort of circled around Dan Snyder the last couple of years. And Ron Rivera has been seen as a defensive first head coach. On top of Wentz, we need to know now whether Chase Young is going to be the edge rusher that was promised, that we thought he was going to be when he came into the league. This defensive unit up front, at least, we projected them to be one of the best in the league last year. They ultimately disappointed us in part because... Chase Young has just been a disappointment to this point in his career. Um, so if Chase Young can show some improvement, if this defensive line up front can reveal themselves to be who we thought them to be last year, they can at least be a an above average unit. I think that the commanders are going to be a tough out this year. I don't know if they have what it takes to go over their projected win total of seven and a half, but my lean right now with this team is going to be the over uh, because for this simple reason. Everyone right now is fading Carson Wentz. Nobody wants anything to do with the Washington Commanders. There's a stink to this team, uh, watching Taylor Heineke play the last couple of years, watching Carson Wentz just be a literal putz on the field for two and a half years. But I think there's a lot of value to be had here in fading the public. Fade the public, go with the over on the Washington football team. And beyond that, I'm going to go a little bit crazy here. I'm going to throw a little bit on the Washington Commanders to win the division, win the NFC East, because I could see a world where the Commanders shock everybody. Wentz returns to 2019 form, 2018 form, where he's a pretty okay, above average quarterback. And if he can eliminate some of the being a general loser behind the scenes who nobody wants to spend any time with, I wouldn't be surprised if this team finds itself competing for a wild card spot, or even maybe winning that division, winning the NFC East. So for the Washington football team, my over-under pick is them going over seven and a half. My prop pick, I don't have a player prop pick for this team, uh, beyond fading Antonio Gibson in every way, shape, or form. I want every Antonio Gibson under. This guy cannot hold on to the football. And Ron Rivera is an old school football guy. He hates running backs who fumble. They drafted Brian Robinson Jr. in the third round. And honestly, 
as you're listening to this, Antonio Gibson may have already lost his job. Uh, This is a guy whose job security is not there. I want all of his unders. I'm betting against him as much as I'm betting against any player in this division. Uh, So bet every under you can take on Antonio Gibson. Bet the over on the Washington football team on seven and a half wins. And that is our Washington Commanders preview. Moving on to our final team within the NFC East, the New York Giants. They lose Evan Ingram. They lose James Bradbury, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, some of their defensive secondary. Uh, They have a pretty rough offensive line coming into this season. They bring in new head coach Frank Dable. They, They trot out old Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. Another year of suffering for Giants fans, as I expect many will think going into this year. What's unique about the Giants is they had a terrible offensive line and and pretty bad secondary last year, and both of those basically got worse. (laughs) So the problem with the Giants in this offseason was this team is a horror show in terms of cap spending. They capped themselves out two years ago with all these horrific contracts like signing Kenny Galladay to this huge deal uh, while... I guess they were attempting to extend their window with Daniel Jones, but now they're in the unenviable position of trying to rebuild while having all these terrible contracts on paper. So now they they bring in Frank Dable, um, the former offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, the, the guy credited for helping to develop Josh Allen into the freakish superstar he is today. And I think Giants fans and Giants ownership maybe have diluted themselves into thinking that they can give Daniel Jones some sort of final reclamation project shot with Frank Dable. If that doesn't work out, then the Giants are going to be competing for a top pick this year. And maybe they bring in another young quarterback who Dable will coach up into maybe a Josh Allen level. That's the story that the Giants and Giants fans are going to have to tell themselves this year. I like Dable as a play caller. I like a lot of what he did with that Buffalo offense over the last several years. I believe in him in terms of leadership. I I think that The Giants are losing Joe Judge, who is the equivalent of a refrigerator on their back over the last several years, one of the worst head coaches of the last five years. His quarterback sneaks on third and and fourth down last year was some of the most pathetic play calling I've ever seen in my years watching football. I think Dable's going to bring a pass-heavy attack to this team. I think Saquon Barkley is going to see a lot of targets out of the backfield. I don't know what his reception total is right now. It it sort of jumped back and forth, but I would be leaning over on uh, Saquon Barkley's receptions. The problem with looking at sort of player props for this Giants team is you don't really know what the target distribution is going to be like. Everyone is fading Kenny Galladay because he didn't catch a touchdown last year. I would lean that Galladay will outperform a lot of his projections. So if you see some favorable Kenny Galladay projected over under touchdown totals, I think they're worth a gander, largely because... The Giants are going to probably score twice as many touchdowns as they did last year. This is a team that was horrible, horrible on offense. They scored some of the least amount of touchdowns in the NFL last year. It was a horror show to watch on a week-to-week basis. And if they can double their touchdown scoring total, guys who we all think were an abomination last year, like Kenny Galladay, I mean, Kenny Galladay is going to score a touchdown this year. He's going to score. As impossible as it seems right now, it's going to happen. So I think there's some value to be had there. Unfortunately... In looking at the big picture with this team, they're relying on guys like Kadarius Toney, who for all his flashes of talent last year, really going off on the Cowboys in that primetime game, he can't stay on the field. He's a general weirdo. He's, he's getting in fights with coaches. He's constantly injured since high school. If you go back to his high school scouting, this is a guy who's always had some sort of issue going on. And his first NFL practice, he can't wear the right cleats. He's practicing in socks. It's always something with him. 
I want nothing to do with an offense that has to rely on this guy. For all my belief in Frank Dable as a head coach, as a leader, I think this Giants team is in the beginning stages of a rebuild. They're going to try to do a fast rebuild where next year they're really competing. I think that this year, they're not going to come anywhere near this 7.5 win total. I think they maybe win 4 to 5 games and are more likely competing for the number 2 or number 3 overall pick in, in next year's draft. So I'm going under the New York Giants projected win total of 7.5. I'm going to be betting on them to finish 4th. You can bet on exactly where a team will finish. I'm going to be betting on them to finish 4th within the NFC East. Um, the odds actually got taken off the board today, but they should be back up a little bit later this week. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, there's some value to be had there. In terms of props for this Giants team, I'm keen on betting Saquon Barkley over rushing touchdowns. And the reason is simple. I, I think that Saquon Barkley is being unfairly faded for a, a sequence of pretty freakish injuries, not necessarily consistent soft tissue injuries. He had that ankle injury last year, which really just sort of took him out for the, the entire second half of the season. I wouldn't put a lot on that bet because, like I said, I, I think this is a, a losing team. I don't like to hammer uh, over under player totals on teams that are going to suck. And I think this Giants team is going to suck. So something to keep in mind, Kenny Galladay over uh, receiving touchdowns. Uh, I would take Saquon Barkley over rushing touchdowns. And other than that, I'm staying as far away as possible from this Giants team. I think they're they're in, in for a long season. That concludes our NFC East preview. I will be back next week with another episode previewing the AFC East in the final of our NFL divisional previews ahead of this year's NFL season. Season's almost here. I'm ready, guys.